Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's been a while since most of us have had the chance to travel. So today, let me take you on a little tour. On the road out of Padua in northern Italy... Nestled in the lush green hills above the city is the little town of Vaux. Until last year, it was a pretty unremarkable place. But when the pandemic hit, the little town of Vaux became the front line in Europe's fight against the virus. The whole of the world was looking at them thinking, oh my God, that's where COVID is. Do we have it contained there? If you're a regular listener, you might remember Vaux. We talked about it last year, when it became the site of the first COVID death in Europe and the first lockdown. Wine, which was produced in the town, was being sent back because people didn't want to drink it because they thought it would have COVID in it. With its borders sealed, this little town became the perfect Petri dish, allowing scientists to find out more about the virus. Because whatever happened in Vaux would soon be replicated across Europe. We know this is a closed system. We can start seeing how it affects people in different age categories, how it spreads, how many people get infected. Regular, rigorous tests have been conducted ever since the outbreak of COVID. And now, some of the results are in. And they're remarkable. For in the town of Vaux, scientists have found a number of residents who appear to be super immune to COVID. I could see that they were all kind of feeling very pleased with themselves and, and, and kind of bonding over this as if they, they were the Avengers or something. We know that antibodies fade over time. That's why we'll all need vaccine boosters. So why, in the superimmune residents of Vaux, have antibody levels been rising? And what does it tell us about the fight against the virus? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today... Superimmunity in the Italian town of Vaux. It feels like a town from a kind of Wild West movie. That's Tom Kington, Italy correspondent for The Times. It's the sort of town that if you're driving fast through it, if you blink, you'd miss it. There's a bank, there's the chemist, there is a cafe... And that's about it. 
This is a town of uh, a population of 3,275, many of them living in sort of small houses dotted around as the, the town kind of edges off into the, the fields around, many of which are vineyards because this is, this is wine country. As lockdown began to ease, Tom visited for. He had an appointment at the town hall with some of its remarkable residents. I was there to meet uh, a group of locals who, it had been discovered, were the so-called superimmunes, these people who had had COVID at the beginning of last year and not only had developed antibodies, but double the amount of antibodies that were expected and a level of antibodies which were not declining, as you would expect the time, but had actually increased over time. So I was suddenly found myself in a room with three women who were in a really good mood because they had been told they, they had this amazing resistance to COVID. And it was quite amazing to be in that room thinking of all the antibodies just sort of buzzing around. It, it felt like, I don't know if you remember the old Ready Breck commercials on TV in the UK, with these, <laughs> these kids going to school sort of with a red glow around them. It, it, I was looking at these people thinking, that's what I'm looking at here. This is the way to I mean, in an era of pandemic, having an extra dose of antibodies is kind of like having a superpower. I mean, are they are they a scientific miracle? How, how did they feel about this? You know, their their status. They hadn't met before. I think they'd sort of seen each other in the shops, but they weren't friends. And by the end of my my interview with them. I could see that they were all kind of feeling very pleased with themselves and, and kind of bonding over this as if they, they were the Avengers or something. As they walked out, they were all promising to meet for coffee again. And, and so it, it, it was just a really good occasion because they were clearly discovering that they were not alone and in, in having their superpowers. Take us back to the start. I mean, we've talked about Vo before on the podcast because it sort of became infamous, this little Italian town, for its role in, in the story of COVID in Europe. Talk us through that. How did it all begin? Well, yeah, it's a long story, which builds up to these superheroes. Back at the very beginning of the COVID outbreak in Europe, as you will recall, it hit Italy first. And in the town of Vaux, uh, it is thought there was Europe's first COVID fatality a 77-year-old man called Adriano Trevisan, who is thought to have caught COVID while he was playing cards in that cafe on the piazza that I mentioned earlier on mm. February the 9th. Buonasera. That night, there was a, a football game on TV, AC Milan against Inter, and there were quite a lot of out-of-towners who had stopped in to watch the game. So that's why they think he caught it there. He then died on February the 21st, becoming Europe's first victim, sparking a very quick lockdown of the town, signalling the arrival of the virus on the continent. And it was basically under lockdown, full lockdown. No one from the rest of the world allowed to get in with the access roads guarded by soldiers for two weeks. Then what happened is that the whole of Italy was put under lockdown, so suddenly it kind of made no sense uh, to seal off this one town. But for those two weeks, Vaux and a number of other towns in, in northern Italy were basically sort of the, the, whole, the, the whole of the world was, was looking at them, thinking, oh my God, that's where COVID is. Do we have it contained there? The answer, of course, was no. I mean, it's sometimes hard to remember 
the before times, the, the, the era before the pandemic and before lockdowns were a thing, for them to become the first town in the whole of Europe to be locked down and in such a remarkable way, literally every road being blocked by the army, nobody being allowed in or out. How did that affect the people in the town? Well, they were obviously terrified and then perhaps even more perturbed when lots of men in white coats arrived because the governor of the region of Veneto, Luca Zaya, decided that he should immediately swab every resident so they could just basically figure out who had it, who didn't, and then act accordingly. Luca Zaya is an interesting character. He'd graduated in animal husbandry. So as he's told me in interviews, he knows about viruses and hence his rush to get in and find out who had it, which is what they did. They all came in with their masks and their gloves on, and every local was tested. At that time, an academic, a microbiologist from the University of Padova, stepped in, a a man named Andrea Crisanti. And he came in and he said, "Okay, well, we can put these findings to great use. What they did, the first thing they found out was that a number of the people who tested positive were asymptomatic. And this was one of the first big indications that this um, virus could be passed on through carriers who were asymptomatic, which made it, you know, invisible, much more dangerous. So it was kind of a perfect little petri dish to carry out controlled tests to see what we could understand about the virus. It was a kind of Truman show with virus. It was like a sort of playground for the experts from the University of Padua. This second round of tests, to establish the level of antibodies in the residents, showed some remarkable results. And they found out that 162 people had some form of immunity thanks to contagion they'd had back in in February or early March. Now, then they came back again in November of last year, nine months on, and most of that 162 people were among a group of 156 who were tested again for antibodies. Now, What they found was that half of those people had shown a decline in the number of antibodies they had nine months on, still plenty to keep the disease, uh, the virus at bay. But they also found out that 16 of the subjects whose antibodies were still present in November were at a level more than double the antibodies they'd had back in May. So over nine months, the antibodies hadn't faded, they'd doubled. What was the conclusion they reached? Well, the experts decided that these people had had some form of contact again with COVID after May. They didn't suffer, but the COVID entered their body, infected a few cells, was quickly eliminated by the antibodies they already had, but in the same time, the virus stimulated the production of even more antibodies and none had symptoms. So what we're talking about here is a sort of contact which stimulates the production of way more antibodies. So you you come out of having had a contact and you're even more immune than before. So when you spoke to the scientist, to to the expert, did he think that was even possible for antibody levels to grow before they saw them doing just that in Voh? He said, look, Many viruses stimulate the further production of antibodies when there's a contact. So we weren't too surprised by this. What we were surprised by was the fact that this contact could more than double the COVID antibodies you already had. 
that really extends the time you're protected. So at that point, I said to him, okay, fine. So this is happening to people who've had COVID and they have their antibodies thanks to having COVID. What, what about the people who've had a vaccine and they have their antibodies thanks to having had the vaccine? And he said, yeah, no, I think that would be the same effect. So if you're vaccinated, you have that contact, then yes, you too could be in line for having a, a doubling of your antibodies. Well, that sounds promising. Coming up, we'll have more on the science behind this discovery and what it could mean for the battle against COVID-19. But first, here's a letter from the editor. Hi, I'm John Witherow, editor of The Times. Thanks to you, we get to cover the broadest and most important daily news stories. To enjoy more remarkable stories every day, subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times and get one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm David Baddiel. I'm a writer and a comedian and a Jew. I'm Saeed Avasi. I'm a businesswoman and a politician and a Muslim. Jews and Muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news. Lots of people talk about us, and this is us talking about ourselves. The kind of things that people say don't touch, yeah. we are going to go there. I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew go there. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. How is it possible for some of the residents of the little Italian town of Vaux to be super immune to COVID? We wanted to understand a bit more about the science behind superimmunity and the behaviour of antibodies. So there was really only one man to turn to. I'm Tom Whipple and I'm the science editor at The Times. I recently went and had an antibody test and they sort of told me that if, unless I'd had COVID in the last few months, they probably wouldn't necessarily be able to tell me if I definitely had it because antibodies fade. Do we know uh, how soon they fade? At what rate? I mean... How long are people remaining immune at the moment? The first thing to say is that uh, antibodies are, are a proxy for how immune you are. We don't really know what an antibody test coming out positive means in terms of immunity. Um, antibodies are, f for a start, they're only one part of our immune system. The reason we have this big focus on antibodies is partly because they're easy to test, whereas things like T-cells are a lot harder to test. Very, very, very crudely, and, and any immunologist listening, please close <laughs> your ears now. Very crudely, away. The, the, the antibodies are a little bit more specific, and there's a particular kind of neutralising antibodies, which if, if you imagine the coronavirus is this thing sort of battling around the place with lots of spikes on, and the spikes are what get into your cells, the antibodies, one of their jobs is they'll attack the tip of the spike, and if they coat it, it's not getting into your cells. And those are neutralising antibodies. And 
And that's part of the concern, as, as an aside about variants, is they, they some of them seem to change the antibody response because they change the shape of the spike so they can no longer lock onto the top of it. Now, as well as that, though, we have T cells which attack a bigger section. They get to learn a bigger section of the spike. And they're, they're less the sort of frontline shock troops. They're more things that will lessen the severity of infection if you have an infection. But they're far harder to fool because they're, they're looking at a far broader picture of, of the virus. And with the antibodies, in people who've had COVID, have we seen them sort of dissipating over time? This is completely normal. So if you if you get a COVID infection, your body is initially going to expend a lot of effort making antibodies and, and trying to defeat it. It makes perfect sense from the body's point of view that it will then expend less effort in in the months to come and you'll have less of these antibodies circulating around but it will still maintain the ability to make them if necessary but it will wane and the amount it wanes will very very broadly depend on the severity of the initial infection it equally makes sense that if this is something that really perturbs your body it's going to think i need to maintain a strong line of defense against it so you would expect these to wane and in an extremely crude sense you would expect the extent to which they wane to determine how soon it is before you can be reinfected. Tell us about what scientists have found in the little town of Vaux in in Italy, because this seems quite surprising. So in this town, they've been following the same people and doing antibody tests, and they've found that in most of them, the antibodies wane. In a few, they seem to be getting higher, these sort of superimmune people. Everything is speculation, but a very obvious reason why that might be the case is that they've been infected a second time, probably without noticing it. We can see this very clearly in, in lots of ways, particularly with the vaccine programme. The reason we get a second booster vaccine is because it does just that, it boosts it. And you can see in people that their antibody response gets significantly higher after that. Equally, there are studies that show that if you've already been infected, then the first vaccine acts a bit as like a booster and it increases your antibody levels vastly more than people who haven't been infected. So one theory is that these people have, their antibodies have waned over time. They been infected because of perhaps those T-cells fighting things off. They haven't even really noticed the infection, but their body has noticed it. And it has once again, it said, right, this is a circulating virus. This is something I still have to be worried about. So I'm going to boost my antibodies. And this is broadly, well, A, expected, but B, good news. One of our possible futures that we're branching out into where the world becomes accommodated to the virus and the virus becomes accommodated to the world is one in which we get regular boosts of our immunity simply from the fact that it's continually circulating. You know, one of the, one of the ideal out, outcomes is once humanity's dealt with this, we, we'll continue to give birth and have new generations. Those generations will end up getting infected without even noticing as children and then throughout their adult life they will again keep on getting infections maybe they get a mild cold and don't know what it is but each of these infections boosts their immunity and gives them the protection that means that this virus that entered with such a crash and such such a cataclysm actually just becomes an unnoticed part of our lives. And then maybe when you reach old age, as with flu, you have to get some sort of extra protection from a vaccine. But for the rest of us, who cares? 
And with the people who they've found who are now super immune, who have the extra dose of antibodies, does that make them more likely to be able to fight off variants of COVID because they've got so many more antibodies that are, are used to fighting off the ordinary strain? Of the virus. Yes, and this is this is a debate that's happening at the moment in, in all sorts of interesting ways. I mean, so one way to defeat a variant is to have a very specific immune response to it. Another way to defeat the variant is to have a very strong immune response against the, the, the original strain. You go for kind of quantity over quality. And at the moment, we're looking at, and all the world is looking at booster shots and the, the idea that we adapt the vaccine to the virus. There is a counter-argument that maybe we shouldn't. Maybe what we should be looking at is just boosting the original strain rather than confusing the body, rather than slightly tweaking things. Far better to just get the crude original immune response higher than, than bother faffing about with, with slightly tweaked vaccines. And there's this, this quite sweet theory, the idea, they call it the, the, the original antigenic sin. And the, the idea is that your body will, having seen the original strain, it will think, what one, one, one immunologist described it to me as like your first love. Your body will always return to this. <laughs> and even if you try and boost against the, the variant, actually the immune response it has is going to end up boosting against the original one anyway. And we literally don't know on that. But it's the, the boosting against the original one is no bad thing. And Tom, this is such a good news story. And God knows in a pandemic era, those are quite hard to come by. So I'm, I'm loath to do this, but I've got to ask... This seems to be a case of people who've had the, the vaccine or who've had the virus, who've got some antibodies in their, in their system, getting the virus again, and their system, their bodies are winning. They're producing more antibodies and they're super immune as a result of it. Is there a danger that if you've had one dose of the vaccine or you've, you've got some antibodies and you get the virus, the virus might also be adapting yeah, I mean, it's not so much a danger as an inevitability. Um, that's how evolution works. And I think we can, I think we're entering an age where there's going to be a strong pressure on the virus to find ways to evade our immunity, whether from vaccines or from previous infection. And we've got to accept that. But it doesn't mutate as fast as flu. And the chances are we, we're going to maintain quite strong immunity. But there are going to be these vaccine escape variants that pop up because if one does, if one happens to mutate such that it can even slightly get around this immunity, then it's going to find itself proliferating a lot better. And but this isn't this isn't a catastrophe. This is this is evolution and virology, and it's it's completely expected. For now, the residents of Vaux are revelling in their new status as the superimmunes. I asked Tom Kington, who went to meet them, if it had changed their behaviour. Did they feel they were now able to take more risks? One of the women I spoke to, who was a town hall official, was very excited. She said, the moment that restrictions are dropped here, me and my husband are taking off on the Ducati motorbike that we've just bought and we're going to do a tour of Italy. So you could see she was really kind of buoyed up by feeling that she had she had antibodies to the extent that she did. Another of the women said, you know, I now feel much more confident about, for example, going to the supermarket. So if my children need to go out food shopping, I'll say, stop, give me the shopping bag, I'll do it. So she was the one going down the aisles, risking life and limb because she had she had those antibodies. 
And for the town of Vaux, I mean, it was the first death of COVID in Europe. It sort of had, you know, the whole world watching it as this plagued place at the start of last year. What's it like there now? Have they had a lot of deaths from COVID? Well, funnily enough, in Italy's second and third wave, Vaux did better than surrounding towns. That will have been because I think the locals were, had it drummed into them so well the precautions that they needed to take because they, they were surrounded surrounded by medical experts half the time. So they became, I think, you know, really hip to what COVID could do and the measures you needed to take to avoid it, which was, I think, gave them a great sense of vindication when, when, they, when they had lower case rates in the second, third waves than nearby towns, because it was those nearby towns which had been treating Vaux with some disdain, because mm. Vaux came out of the first wave as a sort of, yeah, as, as a sort of plague hellhole. That was its reputation. And the mayor was telling me that if he went into have a a coffee in a nearby town, they would sort of stand back and say, oh God, what are you doing here? Wine, which was produced in the town, was being sent back when it was sold in other towns because people didn't want to drink it because they thought it would have COVID in it. So there was a kind of backs against the wall spirit involved because people felt that they were really being got at. Hence this wonderful sense of we learned our lessons and later on we cleaned up and we did much better than those other towns. Given that it's been fighting this reputation for a while, it must be particularly proud of the, the super immunity label now. How has it gone down? Well, I think that until I got there, it had been kind of under wraps because the, the, the microbiologists from the University of Padova had, had just put together their findings. And as I said, some of the women had only just learned that they had this superpower. And what's going to happen next is that the, the work will be published, that the findings will be published. And, and I think that we can expect to see them at that point becoming a little bit better known. I think in the meantime, we can let them enjoy their motorbike holidays and their brave shopping trips. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Tom Kington, Italy correspondent for The Times, and Tom Whipple, our science editor. You can read more from both Toms at thetimes.co.uk. The producer today was Josh Ann Charner. The executive producer is Poppy Damon, and sound design was by Tom Birchall. If you'd like to get in touch with any ideas for future episodes or any thoughts on what you've just heard, then please do drop us an email to storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a review. It'll help others to find the podcast. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 